Well, good morning. This is WNZN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio, and very happy that you tuned in today for another show. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Assistant David Abood. Hey, John. Great to be here with you today. Beautiful autumn day. Yeah, I mean, it's gorgeous. Really, really nice autumn day. Uh-huh. Somebody says Cleveland winters are the price we pay for our autumns. <laughs> well, winters are hard sometimes, but autumns are flat out beautiful, aren't they? They are gorgeous. I that in the spring, I mean, it's uh, it just shows re, you know re, renewal and you know God's God's incredible design. I mean, it, you know, when you think about um, some of these other states that don't get the seasons, John. I mean, we're so blessed to have them right here. We really it, are. it really reminds us about how he perfectly designed everything year after year and how it comes to life. We have death, but then we're reborn, right? It's kind of like baptism. We go under our old self and yeah, come up. It's, it's sort of like that. I mean, yeah. I just was driving yeah. through Pennsylvania last week and, oh, and to yeah. see the color changes oh. in these trees. And then in two months' time, all the trees are going to be bare. And then in five, six months, they're all going to be, yes. <laughs> you know, with leaves back on and, and flower and bud and it yeah. just the bible does talk about how the seasons display not only the creation god's creative power but also his sustaining yes. power that yeah. he keeps it operating you know every year in season That's right. summer you know springtime yeah. harvest mm -hmm. and just uh anyhow really really amazing oh, yeah so uh you know with all this beauty all around us around the way it's 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 really sad as we look at uh, what's going on in the world today, oh, you know yeah. the newspaper, television has been full of everything that's been going on in Israel. Yes, uh, which of course includes the Gaza Strip, and uh, very sad, you know, tragedy, uh, loss of life, pain, uh, uh, displaced people, refugees, yeah. all these kind of things. But overlaying all that, of course, you have these these powers. You know, you have yeah. uh, Iran, uh, Russia. Now the U.S. has moved some carrier groups over there. And then you have Hamas, you have uh, uh, Hezbollah, and uh, you know you have a lot of kind of players in action. And mm -hmm. uh, what I wanted us to look today at uh, at Israel, okay. and uh, not just what happened in Israel today. We'll touch a little on that, but why Israel? Because it's such a tiny little country. Yeah. Why does it occupy, you know, front page news? Why is it so significant? This country and this people group that literally started thousands of years ago is front page news and we're going to see in a moment that's exactly what the bible said it would say there would be coming a day when israel would be like a burdensome stone uh for all the nations i'm gonna uh yeah and show you that. one of the things that i looked up was israel is the hebrew name uh yisrael meaning god contends or one who struggles with god yeah i just didn't understand that i mean it's just you know yeah it's, it's that, even in the name and so you you have it. It says here in Jeremiah chapter 12, this is right about 600 years before our Lord Jesus came yeah. to the earth. It says, um, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup, of, a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples uh, when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day. I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the people. All who would heave it away will surely be cut to pieces. But... And though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. Now, that's yeah. that's a really ancient prophecy about mm -hmm. Israel. Yeah. But it's interesting that it says, I will make Israel a burdensome stone for all the nations. And once again, you know, we're going to talk about it, but it's such a small little country. It it's is. not even the size of New Jersey. I've been there numerous times. Right. I've driven from mm -hmm. up north, up in the Galilee, all the way down 
uh, past Jerusalem, down to the Dead mm -hmm. Sea, and it's just not that big. Yeah. But it occupies front page, lead story on the news, particularly what is happening today. And so what I thought we would discuss, David, and kind of go backwards and look at why Israel, why at this time, uh, why the Jewish people. But to do that, you have to go way back 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago uh, to see how this mm -hmm. country came about. And one of the first places we see it in the Bible, of course, is we know that God chooses uh, Abraham in chapter 12 of uh, Genesis. Now, the previous two chapters is where man tried to build the Tower of Babel and right. they're very prideful and they want to make a name for themselves. And basically what God does there is he disperses uh, the nations, mm -hmm. the peoples, to globally, so to speak. But then starting in chapter 12 of Genesis, right. he focuses on this one man, Abraham. Uh, chapter 12, uh, verse 1 uh, through 3. Uh, that is yeah. Genesis chapter 12. One, I don't know if you have that I or sure not. Do. Okay, if you read those. Yeah. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, thank you. So here you yeah. see God chooses this one man, Abram. Later he'll change his name to Abraham, which means a father of the multitude. <clears throat> but he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you from your land. Probably, uh, it was probably Iraq. We don't know. It might have been in the Gulf State. It's hard to determine exactly where he was at that time. And he takes him all the way to what we call present-day Israel. He mm -hmm. says, I will show you the land. I will bring you into this land. Then he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. That's very important. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Now, it's very important when he says you will be a blessing because when you think of Abraham, he's the father of what we call today the Jewish people, right? But when you think about it, you shall be a blessing. It's through Abraham, it's through the Jewish people we get what? We get the prophets. Uh, we get the scriptures, yeah. the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, don't forget, all the Old Testament writers were Jewish. New Testament, except perhaps for the Luke, right. are Jewish. Uh, number two, the Messiah, Jesus, is son of David. Of course, he's Jewish mm -hmm. from the tribe of Judah. The early church was Jewish from chapters 1 through chapter yeah. 15. And so they have been a tremendous blessing uh, to the world 2,000 years later. And it says, I will, I, you shall be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Mm. So, I mean, we sit here today and could say our families have been blessed because of this Abrahamic blessing thousands of years ago. We're probably looking right. at about 3,000 years ago here. Uh, two, one, yeah. So maybe even 4,000 right. years ago. It's that far back. Yeah. But that blessing holds true. But it also says, I will curse those that curse you. Now, when you consider uh, Israel and the Jewish people, it's really quite remarkable. These are some of the nations that oppressed Israel, the Jewish people, or, or took the land over, starting with the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persian, Seleucid, the Greeks, the Romans, Muslim Arabs, the Crusaders, the Saracens, the Mamluks, the Ottomans, and at the end, the British would occupy that area. I mean, it is called Jerusalem. We're going to see in a minute. Salam means peace, city of peace. But maybe no other country 
no other city mm-hmm. as Jerusalem has been attacked as that city of Jerusalem, wow. city of peace. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, that it's still even standing today. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, you, you were John. You've been there how many times now? Uh, three. This okay. would be on my fourth. So, I, I guess you know I've never been there. I, I I really would like to go one day with you. Um, but I guess what was the mood like when you go there? What, what what does it feel like? Like you know, what is the mood in the air? You know, yeah. uh, what do you see when you go to the Temple Mount? Because because that is like the center hub, right? Yeah. yeah, it's a good point, David. Because every time I go there, when you're on the plane, we usually leave from New York and we, we fly direct flight to Tel Aviv, the capital of yeah. Israel. But it's what is interesting when you're approaching Israel. Many of the Orthodox Jews that are in the plane will stand up and they put on a prayer shawl over their head yeah. and they have these little scriptures and they you'll see them like rocking back and forth weaving because they're coming into the Holy Land. They're coming into Holy Space and they're on the plane doing that. And you know, this is not like it landed in, uh, you know, Bangkok yeah. or London or something. This yes. is different. And when you land there... Now, I've been privileged, I've been blessed to be in many different countries, you know, oh, yeah. Ireland you've, you've or Jamaica or whatever. Uh-huh. But there's something very unique and special about uh, Israel. Is it the most beautiful land I've ever seen? No. Is it the most, um, is it the best food? It's good food, but not the best, it's whatever. But it is, there's a feeling there, you're in a very special, unique right. country. Right. And I've never been in another country like that. Because wherever you go, when you land in Tel Aviv, you go down a little bit to Joppa. That's where Jonah mm-hmm. left from there. That's where Peter had the vision to go up and reach Cornelius. You go up to the Galilee. You go to Caesarea, Capernaum. These are all places that jump out at you from the Bible, and they're just made more and more real. You get baptized. You know, we baptize people in the River Jordan. We sit, get a boat, and we go across Lake Galilee. My point being, and then finally you get to Jerusalem, and you go to the Temple Mount. Yeah. Now, we're going to see why they call the Temple Mount the center of the world. Because even some of this stuff that happened recently with the attack on these uh, Israeli kibbutzes has something to do with the Temple Mount. We'll look at that in a minute. But to your question, yeah, it's very special. Uh, I've been to other countries, but there, I always say Israel's on a different shelf. It's just different. You know, it's, it's the Holy Land. It's the land of the Bible. And everywhere you look, right. usually has some biblical as well as historical mm-hmm. referencing. And there's no place on earth like it. It's just yeah. not. And it's small. Yeah. It is really small. Jeez. Because we go up mm-hmm. north to Galilee, and we usually stay at a hotel in Tiberias. Then we take a bus ride down to um, Jerusalem. But it's not as far as like Cleveland to Cincinnati. Not even as far driving. And then you go further south to the Dead Sea of Masada, it's not all that far. All of a sudden, you've you've crisscrossed the whole country. And you think, this is it? Why is it occupied such a dominant place in human history and front page news today? Yeah, but you know, this was a part of God's design. You know, the real question is, why did God continue to put up with the rebellious nature for hundreds of years, right, with Israel? And then you look in Exodus 19, 5, 6, you go back all the way to the encounter with Israel, uh, God's encounter with them at Mount Sinai, and in Exodus 19, 5-6, it said, God, God's invitation to Israel to join him. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Right. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
and look at it. Yeah. So why did God choose? We don't know. I mean, it wasn't because they were the largest nation or the most special. It was in God's sovereignty. He chose. uh, He chose Israel. He chose this lamb, Uh, and out of that, He's going to reveal Himself. This essentially was going to do. He's going to get this Mm -hmm. this particular land, these particular people, and He's going to reveal Himself and His will for all of mankind. Now we don't fully understand all that, but we do know we can understand. quite a bit and and why he it, it, it and it's it's crazy to think that as it said as a kingdom of priests they would have the task of representing the nations to god right it's and so you know but but then of everything that happened to israel the best thing and the most important thing obviously was the fact that jesus was born uh a jew Right. And living under the covenant and the law of Israel. So, so we'll get into that, I'm sure. But there were two important things um, that came out of Israel, and Jesus was clearly one of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, and like I said, the early church in the Old Testament, the prophets that established right. the Old Testament and set up the... So no matter what you think about it, something very unique and special happened there. Uh, let me. Uh, it says this in Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5. Thus says the Lord God... This is Jerusalem. I have set her in the middle of the nations and the countries all around her. See, this is God calling Jerusalem. I have set you in the middle right. of all the nations. Now, this is an interesting thing. <clears throat> uh, Jerusalem, Israel, is like touches Africa, Asia, and Europe. If you look at it, it's like in the center. And even old map makers used to make Jerusalem or Israel the center of the, so to speak, the world you know, in topography. And it's very interesting that it, it, it we're going to see in a moment, is the center of three major religions in many ways. So, you know, as we talk on the radio program, I'm really grateful for WNZN to have this platform yes, right. to share some of this information. <clears throat> and uh, again, we can't go in depth because of limited time, but we do appreciate everybody tuning in today. If you have any problem hearing, any distortion, uh, just go and you can follow us on site. And I, I was in Philly, Philadelphia last week. I was just following on my phone. You just go 89.1 FM radio or www.wnzn.org, wnzn.org, and you get high clarity, whether it's Alexa, you know, uh, or your phone or yeah. your iPhone or your iPad. So getting back to Israel. So th- why is this? Okay, you know, um, why did God choose the Jews? You know, there's an old saying. Yeah. Uh, Still. You know uh, how uh, you know that God would choose the Jews, but He does, and they're His people, and He's going to choose them, and He's going to protect them, even though they go through tremendous persecution yes. throughout all history. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, they are in the land today. Now, where did it start? Some people said, "Where did it start?" Well, we looked at Abraham, yeah, but then he comes into the land. We won't go through the whole story, but something interesting happens when he rescues his nephew Lot, and this is in. Genesis chapter 14, and uh, he, they're taking, they kidnap Lot, they take him out of the land, these different kings from the north, uh, from the north come in, mm-hmm. and it, and Abraham gets a, a group up, a posse, so to speak, and goes and rescues him, but on the way back, chapter 14, verse 17, he meets this very interesting man in verse 17 and 18. I don't know if you yeah, have, have it, if you would read that. Sure. After Abram returned from defeating um, Keter, Keter de Lamer and the kings allied with him the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh 
that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. Okay, now look at that. Blessed Abraham. That's the boy. Well, yeah. There's Salem. Right. You see Salem. Right. That's peace. Mm-hmm. The many feel that this person, this Melchizedek, is coming out of that city of Salem. Mm-hmm. That that might be the first time Jerusalem is mentioned. City of peace. And he's going to come out and he's going to bless Abraham. But he says, blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be the God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Notice this this Melchizedek is both a king and a priest. We'll see that you couldn't do that in the Old Testament. You could either be a king and not a priest or a priest. Right. Not a, but this right. is why he's like a picture of Christ. But what's yes. he bringing? Bread and wine. Bread and wine. And he's the one giving the blessing. So it's like an early picture of Jesus Christ. Now that's developed that's later right. in the scripture. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. This is the first mention of Jerusalem. Salam. And that it says later, it says, and Abraham gave him tithes. So Abraham is tithing to the greater, which is Melchizedek. In a sense, what it's showing yeah. here is... Is, is is the offspring even of Abraham is, is recognizing this great one. And when you come to Psalm 110, it ties this together a little bit. Uh, just show you how the, the scripture is related. But Psalm 110 yeah. will say this about Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Um, Which verse? You can read verse 1. That sets yeah. it up. The and Lord, two. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Okay, so there's God saying, mm-hmm. Sit at my right hand till I make... Well, who's at the right hand of the, God the Father now? Jesus. Jesus. And what's he doing? The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. Till, well, he's going to subdue the whole earth one day. I make all your enemies a footstool. And then he says this in verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind... You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. See that? Yeah. This one that's sitting at the right hand of the Father, he's going to rule all the nations, but he's he's a priest forever. Right. And is after the order of Melchizedek, well, what does Jesus do now? He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Right. He's, you know, it's very powerful when you see how the scripture is related to scripture. And this has made it to be a big deal in the book of Hebrews where he explains more fully about Melchizedek. But do you see how it starts here, David? Yeah. With Salem. That Jerusalem, mm-hmm. thousands of years ago, now present day, turn on the TV, open your you know internet, or look at the newspapers. What is it? Jerusalem. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and so when Jesus came into it, he obviously was like Melchizedek. Mm. Right. So, yeah. Right. Melchizedek doesn't. We don't have a record of his birth. You know, no, up to this yeah, time, you're very. So, kind, yeah. you, you don't have a record of him dying. Right. So he's kind of a picture. It doesn't mean he is, but it's, he's a type. It's what I call a mm-hmm. picture. But what's important here is he's a priest and a king. Well, yeah. Jesus is a priest and a king. He's king of kings and lord of lords. Even at his birth, Gentiles, the wise men, call him the king. Even Pilate says, "King of the Jews." He puts that above the cross. And one day, of course, he comes back as king of kings and lord of lords. But he's also a priest. But he also is bringing the bread and wine. See, all these elements are a picture of Christ. But notice, it's the first mention of Salem, Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Wow. Okay. So now as we move fast mm-hmm. forward, we move in the scripture. Yeah. You'll see that um, Jerusalem, the name Jerusalem, is used over 667 times in the Old Testament. Think about it. 
667 times in the Old Testament. The name Jerusalem is used 139 times in the New Testament. Wow. Do you see that? So, yeah, and, and Israel's name is used, what, 2,431 times in the Bible, 34 out of the 39 books in the Old Testament, and 13 of the 27 New Testament books as well. And cl clearly it's an important name. Oh, and it's the yeah, name. It's the right. center. Yep. So when you a, a good way to figure this out is yep. consider Israel, uh, that's, that's the country, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and really, when you study the Scripture, just like I, if you look... From Genesis chapter 12 all the way to Acts chapter mm. 15, God's focus is on Israel and the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. Remember, he chooses Abraham. Yeah. All the way, even when they go into captivity into Egypt, the focus is on Moses and Joshua, right? Mm -hmm. When they go into Babylon, the focus is on Daniel and his friends. Yeah. Or when it's in yeah. Persia, it's on uh, Esther, etc. But at Acts, the, Jesus comes, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. The still, it's the focus on Jewish, and it's in Israel, particularly mm -hmm. in Jerusalem, and that's where the church starts. Chapters 1 through about chapter 12 in the book of Acts, but then when Peter goes to Cornelius, and now it's open to the Gentile world. So it starts in Genesis 12, all the way to Acts chapter 12, the focus, the spotlight is on Jerusalem, right. on Israel, and the Jewish people. Now again today, it's on the, it's on. Israel, yeah, Jerusalem, and the Jewish people. Front page, am I right? Yeah. Turn on the TV. Oh. It's front page stuff. From notice, but thousands of years ago, modern day. This is really what the Bible said that Jerusalem will be a heavy stone for all the nations. In other words, how they're going to deal with it? They will surround you from all the nations. Right. So, so then as we go through, what what's particularly when you look at Israel, that Jerusalem yeah. is the capital. Of course, that's the center. But why is Jerusalem? One of the reasons so important is the Temple Mount. Now, the Temple Mount is where Solomon will build the temple. Now, to understand this uh, for our listeners, um, when you study how God brought his people, mm -hmm. they went into slavery. The Jewish people went into slavery for 400 years in Egypt, okay, under these different pharaohs, and they, it was really horrific. And then God will deliver them. Uh, through he sends Moses and through a series of miracles, really judgment miracles against mm -hmm. Pharaoh in Egypt, he finally, the last thing that he'll do is the, what's called the 10th plague. But this is where he says, take a lamb uh, and, and, and kill it, catch right. its blood in a bowl and put the blood on the, on the, on the door frame, mm -hmm. okay, on the door frame and go inside and then cook it and then they'll give you strength, pack your bags, you're going to get out. And God says to Moses, I will go through the land tonight. I'll go through Egypt. But when I see the blood, yeah. I will pass over you. That's where we get the word Passover. Mm -hmm. So that's how they got freed. How do they get free from slavery? Through the blood of the lamb. Yes. So when Jesus is introduced by John a thousand years more later, he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, all of us are born into slavery, mm -hmm. into sin. So how do we set free from sin and slavery of bondage of sin? Through the blood of the Lamb. Yes. It's perfect, you see? Yeah. And then, just as they would always celebrate mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. Passover every year to remember that, yeah. so too we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the body and the blood. What did Melchizedek bring out to give to Abraham? The bread yeah. and the wine. So do you see the connection, mm -hmm. the symmetry? Yes. Now, all of these points we could elaborate on. Right. I, I just can't do it for the sake of time. But one, Now, this is important. Once he gets the people out of um, 
bondage, out of, out of Egypt, through a series of miracles, he says something very, very, very important. He's got him in the wilderness. He's taking his people now to the promised land. But look in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. God says something very, very important to Moses. Okay, verse 8. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. There it is. There it is. There it is. Now, what is God saying? He's got them out. He's, got, he's going to be taking his people to the promised land. He's guiding them each step of the way. But now he says, make me a sanctuary here is a portable tent right. structure. I'm going to mm -hmm. dwell with you. That is a game changer. The God who even this whole universe cannot contain, yeah. Solomon says, is now going to dwell in this tabernacle. That's the start of the temple. I'll show you how that goes together. But here we see God... Mm -hmm. Is, so what you have with this tabernacle, it's a tent-like structure. Right. It says in the next verse, you have to follow the pattern. I'm going to give you the directions, the template, uh, what you would call the uh, schematic. Yeah. And uh, you have the outer court, and then you like a fence. Right. Then you come in, and then there's an altar of sacrifice. Then there's a, a bowl to cleanse yeah. the priest, cleanse the priest. Then you go through this doorway, and you call the <clears> holy <throat> place. And on the right is be the babe. A table with ten, like uh, pita bread, like showbread, they called it, that represent the twelve tribes of Israel. Mm -hmm. On the left is the menorah, the seven-part candlestick, right? Yeah. Seven, okay. Then in, there's a big curtain, and in front of that curtain, there's an altar of incense. You burn incense, it goes up in front of it. But when you go through that curtain, you're in the Holy of Holies, and that's where God dwells. Do you remember the Ark of the Covenant? Remember uh, Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark? Remember they were looking for this? Mm -hmm. It's like a footlocker, mm -hmm. like a, if you were a cedar chest. Mm -hmm. Um, but in it was contained the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, and Moses' staff. Those three are the only things in this chest. And it's laid with gold, and it's got <clears throat> handles. You can carry it. Right. But, but on top of it is gold. That's called the mercy seat. And it's got these two like figures, like angels, touching their wings Chair together. And, and God yeah. says, I will dwell between the cherubim. So what wow. it means is now... God is with his people. This is like very, very important. So wherever they go, they're carrying that with them. God is with them. And so he says, during the day, you'll know I'm in there because there'll be a cloud above it, like a cloud. At night, there'll be a pillar of fire. When I move, you move. When I stop, you stop. So when they finally come into the promised land, mm -hmm. they don't need a portable tent structure that they take apart. They need a permanent palace, if you will, a te temple for God. Right. And then that's what Solomon built. That's what he built on the Temple Mount. That's what he builds on yeah. the Temple Mount. Now that's important. I'm going to show you why. Because that Temple Mount is the key to even what's happening today. That is a key to what is happening today. Mm -hmm. If you understand the Temple Mount, you understand a lot that's going on in the news today. And we'll, we'll talk about that. So, he, he comes in and he, he says, I'm going to build this Temple Mount. What makes the Temple Mount so yeah. interesting is many believe that is where Abraham offered his son Isaac. In, oh. in, uh, yeah, in chapter 22 of Genesis, when, when God told uh, Abraham to take his only son, his, it, go to Moriah, go to the land of Moriah, go up on this hill, right. and that's where you're going to offer your son. Well, it's a perfect picture of Jesus because in chapter 22 of Genesis, it says, 
Now take your son, your only son, whom you love. That's the first time love is mentioned in the Bible. Hmm. But he, it sounds like John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he yes, gave his only begotten son. son, right? right? Here's the father. There's no father, mm-hmm. no figure in the Old Testament more a, a father figure than Abraham. Right. All three faiths, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and even Islam look to Abraham as the father of the faith. We differ on who mm-hmm. God is, but nevertheless. But the son, Isaac is the obedient son. He's going to carry the wood. And he goes up on that mountain with his father. He takes the wood and he lays his son down on the altar. He lays him down on the altar. And then in verse 7, Isaac says to Abraham, his father, he says, My father, he says, Here am I, son. He said, Look the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went. So he builds the altar, he places them on the wood, and then the angel stops him from offering his son. So it's a type of the obedient son is laid down on the altar and he's raised up from the altur. Do you see this yeah. type of death and resurrection? Absolutely, it's incredible. And, and that's that was the on, spot. It, yeah. Go on. So it was Temple Mount. That's it, the it, Temple Mount it, area. Hap- you know, I, I never I never knew that. Yeah. I never put that together. It's the Temple Mount area. Boy, that's fantastic. Mount Moriah couple interesting things here though look what he says in verse 5 chapter 22 Abraham he said to his servants stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there we will worship and then we will come back to you now he's supposed to go up that thing and do what kill his son right but does he say I will go up with the boy and I will come back no he says what we will worship and then we See, will come back. He anticipates the resurrection. Wow. And this is brought out in Hebrews 11. So this very powerful stuff going on here. But my point being for this study, that's where that's where the Temple Mount will be. Man, you talk about faith. Uh, you know, he he thought if God, if he were to sacrifice his son, as you said, he, he would bring him back to life. Yeah, exactly right. Wow. See, and that's why it's... You says, know, it's crazy because when you think about Abraham... He, he was just a normal guy. Yeah. You know, he wasn't wealthy. He wasn't, you know, uh, you know, incredible in any other way. But the thing, the, the reason he got the allegiance with God is how loyal he was. Right? I mean, well, even it, it his, really faith his faith wavered. Yeah. His faith wavered right. at times. Like when he was told to leave, he left. Right. The Ur of the Chaldees, his mm-hmm. homeland. He came to the promised land. But then when there was a famine... Yeah. He, he doesn't look to God. He goes down to Egypt. Mm-hmm. He goes to Egypt. His wife is so beautiful. He says, tell them you're my sister. Because back then, they, if real beautiful women came into town, that would, the Pharaoh would take them as part of his you know, mistresses mm-hmm. or harem. But he, so he, he, he goes in and out of faith. But this is his big test. Because oh, yeah. it says even there in verse 1, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. This is the big one. Sure is. But it's a picture of the son. Mm-hmm. With the Father being offered up, and that's that's a very powerful picture that will be fulfilled thousands of years later in that same vicinity when Jesus gives up His life, mm-hmm. and then He says, "Father, into Your hands I commit My spirit." Yeah, wow. You see, the, so how do you get all this symmetry uh, and beautifully the way the Scripture, the tapestry of Scripture, every thread fits in to a completed pattern? Uh, if it's not the word again yeah i mean how do you get there and and how do yeah it written over two thousand years um so what happens of authors yeah so what happens with the temple is that um 
Solomon will build it, okay, yes. roughly in about uh, nine, uh, 931 uh, before Christ. It's almost a thousand years. David will establish Jerusalem as the capital in the year 1000. His son would be the mm -hmm. one that will actually build the temple. Uh, he dedicates the temple in about 960, almost right. a thousand years before Jesus. But then what happens through a series of circumstances is that Israel serves God and then they don't serve God. And so God allows this punishment to come in where the king of um, Babylon will come in and, and destroy it and take the, take the nation captive. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar will come. Uh, he plunders in about the year 597, the temple, and it's laying in ruins. Uh -huh. And now uh, they're going to captivity into Babylon. And that's, that's, of course, where we see later on Daniel and his three friends. And it involves Babylon, and also, which is present-day Iraq, and it also involves Persia, which is present-day Iran, which you see in all the news today, yeah. right? Okay. And Iran's just, involved now, too. Oh, yeah. man. So these are <clears throat> ancient countries yeah. in the Bible, Old Testament, but are also, um, you see them uh, played out in today. You know, it's amazing. So then what happens, they come back from captivity and they rebuild the temple. And this is what's known as the second temple. And this is going to be a big temple. Uh, it, it won't be destroyed, but what happens, what's interesting, you know, the country is going to be ruled by the Persian, then you're going to have the Greeks come in, but then you have the Romans come in around 67 uh, in that period before Christ 63 the Romans come over and take it over the Jerusalem and of course the temple in Israel but what happens is Herod the Great wants to expand the temple he wants to make friends with the Jewish people so he expands it makes it bigger and this is what mm -hmm. he creates the Western Wall we call it the Wailing Wall you know mm -hmm. you can see that today mm -hmm. it's the only thing left of the temple mm. is that western wall. I've been there several times. That's where people often go to pray. Uh, young Jewish men go there for bar mitzvah, if they yeah. can go there with their family. You'll see cracks in the stone, the big stones, and people put little uh, pieces of paper with prayers because they think they're real close to God and they put prayers in yep. there. And that's that's it. Well, I, how tall know, is that? That's got to be, yeah, what, 100 feet or more? Three story, I'm going to say three story, Yeah, maybe three story. But to get there, that's on the bottom. You know where the what, yep. you got to go through. A, uh, on the right, you'll see that passageway. If you want to go on the Temple Mount, you have to go up a walkway. You have to go through security. Up there, right? Yeah. Is that to the left? Uh, the yeah, steps? that Dome of the Rock is back there. Mm -hmm. So Herod builds this thing up big time, thirty-five acres, and that's where that's where the Temple is that Solomon built. Beautiful. Uh, I mean, Temple. The second Temple is going to be built there. So that's. There you have it. You know, what happens is um, the Jewish people, uh, at the time of Jesus, that temple is still in existence. And Jesus, it's very interesting when you study the life of Jesus, how that temple is so important. For example, just a couple things about the temple. When Jesus was circumcised, remember on the eighth day, he's presented at the temple. You'll see this in Luke chapter 2, verse hmm. 22. This is where Simeon and Anna who are in the temple, identify Jesus as the promised Messiah. That's where they give this famous prophecy, okay? He's holding the baby child. He says, I've seen salvation of Israel. At age 12, Jesus went there uh, with his family for Passover. You see that in Luke chapter mm -hmm. 2. So my point being, you see Jesus here now inter interfacing with the temple. And that's where he's teaching all these wise men and that they go, where did this little child get all this wisdom? 
Uh, and of course, Jesus says to his mother, did you not know I must be about my father's business? After his baptism in the Jordan, uh, one of the temptations of Jesus centered on the temple. Remember in Matthew 4, he takes him right. to the high pinnacle of the temple. And he says, jump from here and God will prevent you mm -hmm. from getting hurt. Yeah. Uh, the, now, like another time Jesus goes to the temple, <clears throat> perhaps regularly, uh, oftentimes with his apostles. Matthew chapter 24, Mark 11, Luke chapter 21. He often taught in the temple. Jesus healed people who came to the temple. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus subject of te Jesus' teaching often related to the temple. Numerous times he references the temple. During his last week, he was daily teaching in the temple. Okay, Matthew 26, Luke chapter 19. Jesus referred to the temple as my father's house. That's an important element there because um, very interesting because when you I lead these tours to Israel, we were up on the Temple Mount, right? And, <clears throat> and that is present day uh, supervised by the Jordanian police. That's called the Wakfa. They're, right. they're, they're police up there, like soldiers. But when you go up there, there's a real strict dress code, and they tell you before you go up there, you go through a security check, yeah. don't pray. Don't pray up there. Okay, they don't want any Christians praying up there. It's kind of run by the Muslims now. Mm -hmm. And so one of our people in our group, it was a real hot day, and this lady had her head bowed. I think she was just hot. But he came up to her. He was polite, this policeman with a machine gun. Not, it was shouldered. It wasn't hot. And he goes, he waved his hand. He goes, don't, 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 don't pray. You can't pray up here. And she goes, okay. But that's the very spot where Jesus says, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer of all nations. See, we were people from all different nations coming, and we were being forbid to pray at the place, the very place where Jesus says, my Father's house shall be called a house of prayer of all Isn't nations. That Isn't that something? Yes. So then it goes down. Uh, wow. he, he, this is where Jesus <clears throat> confronts the money changers at the entrance of the temple. Remember, turns over their tables and says, do not do not make my Father's house of house of dens or, or mm -hmm. uh, thieves. Vipers or, yeah. Matthew chapter 12. Mm -hmm. At the Jewish trial, Jesus was falsely They said Jesus wanted to destroy the temple. That was one of the accusations brought up at his trial. But he didn't say that. He said, destroy this temple, pointing to his body back in John chapter 2. And I'll raise it up again in three days. But Jesus did predict the downfall of the temple. You'll see this in Matthew 24 when his apostles came to him and they looked over at the temple. They go, look at how great the temple yeah. is. He goes, he goes, the day is coming when it'll be completely destroyed, not one stone on top of mm. another stone. My point for saying all this is showing how Jesus is related and connected with that temple. You see? Now, and then it finally says, after his resurrection, Jesus spoke concerning Israel's future, restoration, uh, the temple, etc. Um, and then at his death, what happens in the temple? In Mark chapter 15, verse, the, the veil, the curtain right. is ripped. Yeah. From top to bottom, which means now you have entry into the Holy of Holies through Jesus Christ. It's very powerful, the connection we see what Jesus was. Do you want to, should I read that? You Mark, can read that. What is Mark, Mark chapter 15, verse 38. Sure. Okay, verse 38. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, truly this was the Son of God. You know what's amazing about that being torn straight down is how big the curtain oh, was yeah. and how thick it was. It was inches thick. 
They said that two strong uh, Roman horses on both ends would have had a hard time pulling those curves that right? apart. Yeah. That's how thick they were, and you yeah. think it was cut seamlessly down the I center. Know. And that's the show. Yeah. See, that was the curtain that separated the holy yeah. place from the holy of holies, and that's the show that we now have entrance into mm-hmm. the very presence of God. And, of course, that's brought out in the book of Hebrews, where it says in Hebrews chapter 4, Come, let us come with great confidence into the very presence of God, into the throne room of God when we need a time of help. So we have, we don't have to go through a priest, to a temple, through ceremonies to come into the very presence of God. That's one of the privileges. Yeah, and, and I have this from Hebrews 6.19. On Good Friday, the tearing of the earthly temple's curtain as Jesus died was a copy of a heavenly reality. When Jesus went through the curtain above to present his blood in the heavenly sanctuary, the earthly veil is torn. The heavenly veil is open. Our anchor holds with the veil. Yeah. So you see that, again, you see Jesus is pivotal right. in, the, in the temple, not just the, the physical temple at mm-hmm. his time, but also in our spiritual life. If you know what I'm saying, David, it has really significance. Who are we to go into the very presence of God? Well, not, we don't, nothing, but, but only because of Jesus Christ. He opened, as it says, a new and living way. And I want to show you an interesting prophecy. We don't have many minutes left yeah. about this temple and about the coming of Jesus. Yep. And it's in the Old Testament, last book of the Old Testament in Malachi, chapter 3, um, verse 1. It has a very interesting okay. statement here. I will send my messenger. Okay, will... stop there. Yep. He says, first of all, he says, behold. When you okay. see the word behold, that means pay attention. This is big. It's an announcement coming. Then he says, I said my mess. This is God speaking. It's not mm-hmm. somebody else speaking. This is God speaking. I send my messenger and he will prepare the way. Who prepared the way before the coming of Jesus? John the Baptist. Yeah, right. He sends, you'll right. see this in Isaiah yeah. chapter 40. Mm-hmm. He says before the Messiah comes, before Jesus comes, he's going to prepare <clears throat> the way. And what does John come doing? Baptizing the baptism of repentance. Repent, mm-hmm. get ready. He's right. coming. The get king ready. is coming. He says, Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. This is the Lord speaking. And the Lord, there it is again, not a prophet, the Lord whom you seek. There were people at that time seeking the coming Messiah. Remember we just said, Anna yeah. and Simeon right. in the temple when Jesus was born <clears throat> as a baby, they were looking for the coming of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. He says, The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. All of a sudden, he appears at his temple. He's there, okay? And even the messenger of the covenant, what did Jesus do? He brought the new covenant. Old covenant was under the law, Mm -hmm. new covenant under grace, in whom you delight. Behold, there's that word again. He is coming, says the Lord. He is coming. So the book, Old Testament closes here, but it opens with the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What makes this so important, David, is... He has to come when? When does he have to come? He suddenly will come to his temple. Yes. When was the temple destroyed? 70 AD. 70 AD, okay. So who is this person that claims to be the Lord, Mm -hmm. that's going to send his messenger before he comes to prepare the way before Mm -hmm. him, that's going to establish a new covenant, that's going to come suddenly to his temple? He has to come before 70 AD because the temple is destroyed after that. Who is that? 
who fits the bill. Jeez. Boom. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and not only that, if you look at the last uh, mm -hmm. state in uh, Elijah, um, at the end of the very chapter, before the Old Testament closes, it says in verse 5 of chapter 4, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Well, they mm -hmm. often would say to Jesus, well, we thought Elijah was supposed to come first. Jesus would say, if you can receive it, John was Elijah. <clears throat> He was Elijah. He, in other words, he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Wow. It would be like us saying, what America needs now is another Abraham Lincoln <laughs> as president, right? That doesn't mean we need a guy six foot five mm -hmm. with a beard and a mm -hmm. top hat. We need a, somebody like that. So, too, all of these prophecies come one, two, three. How can... If, lines up perfectly. It lines up yeah. perfectly. Yeah. You know, once you see it, you cannot see it. And so, there you have this whole thing, the... Uh, referencing to Jesus, of course. So what happens now? What happens in 70 AD, what is interesting about this is that Jesus risen from the dead. We're thinking about the year 33 AD, uh, right in that range. Maybe it's 34 AD, maybe it's 30 AD. It depends how you place his birth. But if you take 30 AD to 70, that's 40 years before the temple is destroyed. That was often the time of testing or trial. That was the opportunity for Israel to accept their Messiah. He had been crucified, <clears throat> risen from the dead, right. and he was essentially rejected. And that's when the hammer falls, judgment falls. And of course, Jesus predicted that. Remember he's, when he was carrying the cross and the woman was weeping, he says, don't weep for me, woman, but rather weep for your children. Mm -hmm. Because in 40 years, the child would be an adult and they would suffer under the persecution of the Romans. And so at 70 AD, the temple is gone. Okay, it's flat. Right. It's flattened. So what happens after that, in about year 600 AD, 610, Muhammad comes on the scene in Saudi Arabia, starts his conquest all through North Africa. He comes to Israel and he establishes the Dome of the Rock. That's, you see that on pictures of the Holy Land, the, the Golden Dome. And he establishes this mosque. A little bit later, after he died, they established this mosque called Al-Aqsa. And that's that area... Uh, they said in the Quran, they believe that's where Muhammad came on what was called his night journey in about the year 620 A.D., right. almost more than 500 years after Jesus. Yeah. They say he went up to heaven on a horse, etc. Mm -hmm. So that's a very holy, it's the third holiest spot in Islam. First you have Mecca, then you have Medina where the prophet yeah. is buried, then you have this Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Okay, so you have the Dome of the Rock. Many believe that's where the... Um, temple of Israel stood. Right. They believe that's where it actually stood. But then you have across the field, like I said, it's a platform, it's a field, 35 acres. I've walked it. Uh, there's Al-Aqsa Mosque that can hold thousands. It might be the second largest mosque in terms of capacity in the world. That's Al-Aqsa, the holy place, the sacred temple, the sacred area. This is what this raid that happened last week from Gaza right. by the terrorists, what do they call it? Al-Aqsa Flood. That's mm. the term, Al-Aqsa Flood. They're tying it in with the Temple Mount. Wow. See, the Temple Mount has been called the most volatile 35 acres of real estate on planet <laughs> Earth. Yeah. World War III could start from <clears> there, <throat> okay? It's yep. that sensitive. It's that tenuous. So keep your eye on the Temple Mount through all of this oh, stuff yeah. that's going on. <clears throat> and the other thing about that, it has a tendency to unite the Muslim world. If they think anything is going wrong up there in the Temple Mount, 
like uh, there's numerous times when Israelis would go up there to pray or something would happen and would there'd be a clash. They'd be throwing slingshots, stones, maybe the Israeli police mm-hmm. would fire back with rubber bullets or tear gas or real bullets. You'd always have these clashes, but at this time is very uh, volatile right now. It's very volatile. Oh yeah, what's happening in and around. But again, my point being, it's the center of the world, David. It's it's if Israel is the center of the world, then Jerusalem is the center of Israel, and the Temple Mount is the bulls is the dead center, and that's where everything took place. And in, in terms of Jesus, of course, he would he would of course he's crucified in Jerusalem, you know, right outside the gate. He's going to be risen in Jerusalem. Yeah. He's going to uh, start his church. The Holy Spirit comes down upon the apostles who were in the upper room in Jerusalem. The early church starts in Jerusalem. Jesus ascends back to heaven in Jerusalem. Jesus is going to return in the vicinity of Jerusalem, depending on how we interpret uh, Revelation and a couple of... My point being that it is so strategically important that we are urged in the scripture to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray, and that's what listeners can do. This is right. what I can do. Yeah. Included in your prayers, you pray for the peace of Jerusalem and that God's perfect plan is going to be unfolded there. It's going to happen, you see? And, and what about the Ark of the Covenant? Right. It, it, that was also supposed to be placed there on top of the two. Um, mm. <clears throat> okay, so the Ark of the Covenant right. was was in the tabernacle originally. Remember mm-hmm. they came out right. with that yeah. when God told them, mm-hmm. he gave directions to Moses on the mount how to build this and have this Ark of the Covenant. Right. They always had it. Where we don't see it scripturally is on the return from Babylon. We don't see a scriptural referencing. We're not saying it's not there. We're not sure it is there. But you don't you don't have it today. It's not now. It's been a subject of many uh, yeah. uh, conjectures, uh, searches, archaeological search. Where is the Ark of the Covenant? You know, it was the most sacred. There's only one piece of furniture in that room, the Holy of Holies, and mm-hmm. that was the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Where is it? Nobody knows for sure. Some people will say. Uh, it was taken to Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's it's in the caves by where the Dead Sea Scrolls were hidden up there. Um, we don't know, but my own theory, and I, what it is, is only my own two cents. If, if, if Israel was being invaded by the Babylonians or another enemy, if they were going to hide one thing, like the family treasure, let's say, if your house is going to be robbed, you would have hid that. And where they could have done it in secret before the enemy surrounded them, let's say, and conquered is under the mount. In the, there's there's a lot there's passageways. I've you can you can take tours right. under the temple yeah. mount. Yeah, I saw the and, pictures. And you, it goes yeah. further and further. Uh-huh. What I would think, I would think it, it's probably they wanted to keep it as close as they could to the holy, the temple mount, but they wanted to hide it and sequester it deep away from any uh, enemy, any unholy uh, enemies. You know, would it reappear? Oh, sure. yeah. Would it come to mm-hmm. light? As we move towards the last days, it could. I don't think scripture necessitates that it does, but it could happen. I do know there's many Jews that they want to rebuild the temple. I mean, it's a really a contentious problem. You go there today, there's a special tour you can visit where they will show you they actually have built some of the temple furniture and the special pans they mm-hmm. use for the fire and the charcoal. Yeah. And I mean, if they start doing that, that's a flashpoint. I mean, this... this Muslim would really, <laughs> just as a postscript on this, David, because we only have a couple of minutes. It is interesting, David, that the Muslims consider this place extremely sacred. 
the Jews consider this exception. Matter of fact, when you go there, there's mm -hmm. special uh, notices. Mm -hmm. This is the holiest place you can come to God. This is near the temple of God. You have to dress properly. You have to mind all this stuff. But we as Christians do not have a sacred place. Yeah, Jerusalem's important, or you, you want to take a tour of Israel. But we don't go to a place to be made more holy. Do you understand? That's what Jesus says in John chapter uh, mm -hmm. for to the woman at Samaria. She says, well, where should we worship God? Here in Samaria or in Jerusalem? And Jesus says, neither, for God is seeking those that will yeah. worship him in spirit and truth. So as Christians, where two or three are gathered together, he is in our midst. We don't have to go to a special building, a special river, a special mountain to be made more holy. Isn't right. that kind of cool, though? It's, it's and fabulous. we don't fight over Yes. Uh, you know <clears throat> this or that. It's nice to go. Don't get me wrong. And I, you know, but we don't, we don't have this intense hatred of somebody. Oh, somebody threw something at the church or Mark. We don't want it to happen, of course. But it's not. You're not going to go to war over something like that. Why? Because we worship God in spirit and truth. I think that's a very yes. important point. It, it, it's like it's like the whole veil ripping in half. Wherever two or more are gathered, but we can go directly to God now. And, and that's something that, you know, um, was really critical to when I converted. Yeah. Is when I realized that, that, you know, he's the only one that can get us to heaven and forgive us of our sins and give us new life. Uh, that was a turning point yeah, for Excellent, me. David. That's a good place to close yeah. out. You know, uh, who's ever listening today, first and foremost, we're grateful for the radio station, WNCN. Yes. Uh, it's a good platform, even to discuss these kind of things. Mm -hmm that go way back in the Bible and way back in history, but are so relevant, not only to our spiritual life, now that we can yeah. become a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is really significant, yes. but also what's going on in terms of uh, warfare. You know, this is where, this is the flashpoint over there. It's not happening in, you know, Israel or Jamaica or this, it's happening in Israel, right? Okay, yeah. and there's reasons for that. And so my, my prayer, as a matter of fact, I will yeah, pray for everybody pray? listening yeah, that's good, John. Uh, and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So if you heard this today, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, uh, I would look into these matters. And, and really, uh, there's great sites out there. You could search more. But I would encourage you to study the Gospel of John. Just read one chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't. You could do it in 10 minutes. And then the next day, read 10 and ask God to reveal himself to you as you read the Gospel of John. But let me close this word in a word of prayer. Thanks, John. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful autumn day. We thank you that every direction we look, we see your manifold uh, power, wisdom, creative beauty, uh, the way you just don't create, but you sustain these seasons. The moon is thus far away from the earth. The sun is not closer where we'd burn up or further away where we'd freeze. Everything is held in perfect balance. But we do pray, Lord, for our own lives that we can be in balance and obedience to your word. And we thank you, Lord, that, that you came. It says that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. You were the dwelling. And through your death, your burial, resurrection, ascension, now we can receive you and we can become that temple of the Holy Spirit. We can become that temple. We don't have to go a thousand miles to go to a temple. We can be that temple. And as it says in the scripture, we can have this heavenly treasure in these earthen vessels, that is to say, our bodies. And if anyone is listening today that has never made that um commitment today is the day of salvation it says in the scripture but having said that lord we do pray for the peace of jerusalem you told us to pray for the peace of jerusalem and for israel uh, for the jewish people for the palestinian people for the all people that are hurt by this particularly children 
uh, Lord, refugees, all these people, Lord. We pray your will be done. We do pray for a quick and a lasting peace in, in the Holy Land, in Israel. Uh, you bless that part of the world. You bless that country that has been a blessing to many, you know, I mean, just in so many ways. So we do hit, we ask your hand of protection upon about Israel. We pray for its leadership, and we do pray, Lord, that uh, you would, would put a, a barrier, your angels are out about that country, that nothing catastrophic happens there. Uh, uh, but we do pray for a quick and a lasting peace. We pray for all of these things, first and foremost, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, John. God bless you, everybody.